5, verses 25 to 34. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 34. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. Congregation. Dear congregation, there are biblical texts that are particularly memorable. Some of them were intended to be that way, to be that way. For example, that was the case of the woman who broke the alabaster box of ointment and poured over the Lord's head. The Lord Jesus said that wherever his gospel is preached, that woman's offering of worship will be remembered. Other passages, however, are memorable because of the empathy and affectionate response that they produce in the reader. That is the case of our text this morning. Almost every reference in Mark's description of this woman increases compassion upon our hearts. Or at least it should. She had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Not a day, not a week, not a month, not a year. 12 years. She had spent all she had. She had suffered many things under many physicians. And she saw no improvement, but rather grew worse. Certainly, this woman's account illustrates the truth that they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. Mark 2:17. As the woman, some perhaps in this sanctuary may be spiritually sick, or perhaps even dead. And as you read through these verses, you cannot but see yourself in the same passage. Believers too. If there is any believer here who is being oppressed by a sin, who is seeing that is facing a sin that brings you so down, 
but you think you will never find wholeness or freedom from this sin, then listen carefully to God's word this morning. Either you are dead in trespasses and sins, either you are completely sick of a sin, or either you are a believer who is experiencing oppression and spiritual disease of sin, learn from the saving encounter that this woman had with the Lord Jesus Christ. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we hope to take a close look at the manifestation of saving faith. May the Lord allow some here to exercise faith for the first time. And may He allow others to grow in your Christian pilgrimage as your faith in God's Word and in the Gospel is strengthened. In order to see our theme, which is a saving encounter with Christ, we will take a look at three headings. First, we will see the need for saving faith. Secondly, the manifestation of saving faith. And lastly, the fruit of saving faith. Let us begin by taking a look at the need for saving faith. Verses 25 to 26 of our passage. The account that we are reading takes place during the ministry of our Lord Jesus in Galilee. As an introduction to his ministry, Mark placed a strong focus on the teachings of Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 22, shows that the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Later on in Mark chapter 1, verse 27, after the Lord cast out an unclean spirit, the people at the synagogue were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. In a sense, what we see in the Gospel of Mark is that the teaching of the Lord is or was his miraculous deeds. And at the same time, his powerful deeds were his teaching. There is a very close relationship between the deeds of the Lord and the words of the Lord. Mark is portraying Jesus Christ as bringing the teaching of the new kingdom of God. And as you perhaps have read in the book of Isaiah, the coming of the kingdom of God into space and time through the person and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was to take place through many miracles and many signs. So when people saw the signs and heard the words that our Savior pronounced concerning those signs, they put this together and they considered that a teaching with authority. So the Lord did miracles and the words that accompanied those miracles were all the teaching of the kingdom of God. So the great deeds that our Savior did not only confirmed His teaching, they were also part, important part of His teaching. 
That is how the Lord announced then the entering of his kingdoms. So again, miracles not only confirmed the truths that we're being taught, miracles were in themselves truths taught by practical manifestations. Along those lines, in this narrative of the woman in Mark chapter 5, we see an illustration of saving faith. This woman had a real illness, and she had a real healing. But the event that took place here wanted also to illustrate how saving faith takes place, how the Lord saves or makes someone whole. And we see this by the answer at the end of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thy faith has made thee whole. And when the Lord says whole, he is not only speaking about a physical healing. It, both the body and the soul of the woman were healed by the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a commentator points out, the suffering of the woman for 12 years stresses her great need and why she is compelled to seek Jesus' help. First of all, Leviticus 15.19 indicates that this woman's long and fruitless search for a cure was motivated not only by physical distress, but also by her social and religious isolation. The woman had to be isolated for the time of her custom. If anyone touched her, then that person needed to be isolated as well. Everything that this woman lied upon was to be held as unclean. And fourthly, if anyone touched the things the woman had touched or laid upon, then that person was considered unclean until the evening. <clears throat> so when we see what this woman must have gone through, there were not only physical implications, but religious implications as well. Secondly, the woman had suffered under many doctors, as we see in verse 26, and it was expected to be so. The empirical remedies for treating this kind of diseases were very painful and even harmful to the body. Thirdly, the woman went into poverty. She spent all she had trying to address this illness, but nothing improved. She only got worse. Also, because of her disease and harm, harmful medical techniques, techniques, then the health of the woman was rapidly decreasing. Evidently, this woman needed the true physician, the one who can not only address the body, but can also address the soul. This woman needed healing faith. She needed the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as in her case, this need is extended to all those who have souls and also have their souls sick or oppressed or mortally wounded and held captive by their corruption and sin. The profile of this woman reminds us of Isaiah chapter 55, where those who thirst are called to come to the waters. Those who have no money are called to come and buy. Those who have spent in that which is not bread 
and have labored for that which does not satisfy, those are called to hearken diligently unto the call of the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ came to pronounce. They are invited to come and eat that which is good, that which their soul needs. And then this brings a question to us this morning. Are you sick like this woman? Are you spiritually sick? Do you thirst? Have you spent it all on that which is not bread? Have you sought for that which does not satisfy? Then incline your ear. Come unto the Lord, and your soul shall live, as Isaiah 55 verse 3 says. As Augustine of Hippo said, our hearts will remain restless until they find their rest in God. How is your heart this morning? How have you tried to address the problem that you have in your soul? And believer, what have you done? Whom have you called upon? How have you used your human resources to cover a need that only our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, can address? Are you at a point in which you have spent it all already and you see no change? Are you at the point like this woman who has not improved but rather grew worse? Has the Lord brought you here this morning? Perhaps for you to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the only answer to your sin problem. If you are in the situation of the woman, then the question is, what are you going to do now? To whom are you going to call upon? Thus we move to our second heading, the manifestation of saving faith, verses 27 to 29. As we can see in verse 27, the woman had heard reports about Jesus. And after making her way through the multitude, then she touched the Lord's garment. Interestingly, verse 28 shows words of encouragement and belief that she spoke to her own soul. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Verse 29 registers that she was healed of the plague. But between verses 27 and 29, however, takes place what theologians call the progress of saving faith. We understand that saving faith is one single act. And that single act is the reception or heartfelt trust in the person and work of our Savior Jesus Christ. But saving faith involves a progress or a process. As you perhaps have heard already, question 21 of the Heidelberg Catechism says that saving faith is a certain knowledge and assent in the truths of the gospel, but it's intermixed with a heartfelt trust in the message of the gospel. So initially, Saving faith supposes knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is, then 
No, you won't be able to be saved. That's why we need to preach the gospel to different nations where the name of our Savior, where his work is not known. Because without knowing the life, the birth, the ministry, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of the Lord, it is impossible to be saved. So knowledge of him must come first, must come before faith. So in verse 27, she heard reports, she knew, she became acquainted or familiar with the person of Jesus Christ. She heard that he has healed or he had healed a lot of people. We see in Mark chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord healed a man with an unclean spirit. In Mark 1, 40, 45, he cleansed a leper. He healed a paralytic, Mark chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 1 to 12. He healed a man with a withered hand. Mark 3, 1 to 6. He calmed a storm. Mark 4, 35 to 41. He healed a man with a demon. Mark 5, 1 to 20. So she had heard all these reports. So she knew that someone could help her with her issue. Then, after knowledge... There is an ascent to that knowledge. So after the woman heard the reports about the Lord, then she saw that she was in a condition in which she needed a healer like the Lord, but also she understood that the Lord could be a healer fitting to her need. So saving faith involves knowledge, but also ascent in the sense that when you hear the truths of the gospel, and when you hear about who the Lord Jesus Christ is, then you accept as true what you have heard. You accept that it is true that you are a sinful person, and that you commit sins before the Lord, and that this has brought you into a place of enmity before the Lord. You give your assent to this truth. But then you also give assent to the fact that the Lord Jesus is both capable and a very willing Savior, and He can help you address that need. So this is what the woman experienced here. If I may touch, but His clothes. If I may touch, but His clothes, I shall be whole. Thirdly, the, in the progress of saving faith, there is a hunger and thirst for Christ. There is a felt need for Christ. So eager was the woman to come to Christ that she pushed her way through the multitude. She even ignored the ceremonial restrictions and implications of what she was doing. She had set her mind and heart in touching the Lord's garment. Here the desire to touch Jesus' clothing probably reflects the popular belief that the dignity and power of a person are transferred to what they wear. That was the belief in that time. That's why royal clothing in the scriptures are so important because usually the person transferred his dignity to the type of clothing that he was wearing. Fourthly, saving faith supposes then knowledge, assent, in hunger and thirst for Christ. But finally, saving faith involves and supposes 
a reception of Christ. In the case of the woman, that reception was far from being something passive. As informed in her mind about the Lord, she understood what she heard about the Lord. And as illuminated by the Holy Spirit, she concluded that those reports were all true. Then she was compelled by the Spirit. She moved through the crowds to touch the garments of the Lord. Here at this point, there is a need to clarify that not every contact with the person of Jesus resulted in a transmission of power. Many people were touching the Lord in this scene, as we can see, because of the question that he asked and the answer that Peter gave. Many were touching, many were close to the Lord, pushing the Lord, but only one woman was healed or was justified. Involved in the situation was not a unilateral event which touched, released power, but rather it was a mutual interpersonal interaction. By way of illustration, we may reverently speaking say that the Lord is not, in this particular scene, he was not sort of a spiritual ATM in which you touch or you put something and then you receive something back, a benefit back. No. In the case of the woman, saving faith was given by God and received by Christ. The Lord had awareness of the saving faith of this woman. And then in response to this, salvation came out of Jesus as a consequence of it. Now, what about our unbelieving friends here in this morning again? Do you long to be made whole? Again, have you spent it all? And are you still thirsty? Do you long to be in possession of saving faith? Are you still waiting for the Lord to grant you saving faith? Let us reason together for a moment. Number one, if knowledge of Christ is necessary unto salvation, and the Lord in His providence made you be born in a time and place in which you are constantly informed about the gospel, then God is making a statement here. If you are a child or a young person who has been raised at a Christian family, then you are growing up with knowledge of the gospel available to you. That is speaking already of a special treatment or privilege that God is giving you when including you in the community of the new covenant. If God has given to you knowledge of His Son, knowledge of the person and work of His Son from a very early age, then God is making the kingdom of God to be close to you. God is making a statement. Number two, when you hear the law of God and when you read God's word and you are convicted of your sinfulness and your commission of sin, do you assent with the fact that you are such a one who needs a savior like Jesus Christ? Do you see yourself as a person who are or who is in need 
of someone like Jesus Christ? Number three, does this knowledge create in you a hunger and a thirst for Christ? Have you been made aware of how much you need the Lord? And do you know that He can help you with that same problem that you have? <clears throat> Number four, are you waiting for God to move you from a place of enmity to a place of peace with Him? Then the answer or the exhortation for you this morning is receive Christ. Receive Christ. Believe in your heart in Christ. Do you groan because you see yourself close to heaven but far at the same time? Receive Christ. Do you belong to this congregation externally but not internally? And do you groan or you mourn of the fact that you see heaven close to you but you are not there yet. Receive Christ in your heart. Accept the person and work of the Lord. And beg Him to touch you with His healing hand. But unbelieving friend, you may ask. All the time I am taught that faith is a gift of God. And that I cannot believe then why am I exhorted to believe? Let us hear what Reverend Samuel Davis has to say about this. I exhort and persuade you to believe in Jesus Christ because it is while such means are used with sinners and by use of them that it pleases God to enable them to comply or to work faith in them. And do all these means cannot produce faith in themselves, yet it is only in the use of these means that divine grace is expected to work in you. Never was it yet produced in one soul while laying supine, lazy, and inactive. So the exhortations that the gospel gives you every Lord's Day are the means that the Lord has established to work salvation. Take those means. Use those means because it is not you at the end of the day. It is the Lord working through those means to work salvation. But if you are lazy in using the means of grace, if you just lay back and you just blame on the Lord all the time, then you are rejecting the gospel. Listen to the exhortations that the gospel does to you every Lord's Day or every day that you read your Bible and go before the Lord and pray and beg and ask from Him that He may use those means to work eternal salvation in your soul. Because not using the means is even worse. There is an illustration for this too. A Roman ambassador was commissioned to treat peace with a neighboring ambassador. The one who was commissioned saw that his counterpart was intentionally delaying the negotiation. Then the first ambassador drew a circle and said to his neighbor, I demand an answer before you go out 
of this circle. I'm believing, friend. May the walls of this sanctuary be that circle to you. And may the word of God be clear to you today. Do not leave this sanctuary without going before the Lord and without pleading peace from Him. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in Him. Go and beg Him to save you just as He did with this woman. Thus we move to our third point. What is the fruit of saving faith? Verses 30 to 34. After registering the healing of the woman, Mark writes an interesting sequence. Jesus turned since he knew that healing virtue had been applied to a hurting soul. Verse 30. The Lord knew who this woman was, but he asked this paradoxical question to restore the public acceptance of the woman, but also so that the woman might witness the awareness that Jesus had concerning what just had happened. <clears throat> that made the woman tremble and fear, as we see in verse 33. But the Lord simply reaffirmed her with words of double comfort. She could go in peace, and she was made whole of her disease. Brothers and sisters, let us closely look at verse 30 this morning. This is a very rich passage, and many, many things could be said. But this morning, let us focus on verse 30 for just a brief moment. This is one of those outstanding pearls of the Word of God. Usually, when we reflect on our salvation, we tend to focus on what we remember that we experienced in the time in which the Lord applied redemption unto us. But... Mark 5.30 focuses on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he experienced as he applied redemption to us all. The persistence of Jesus in discovering who touched him rivals or reveals the woman's persistence in touching Jesus. She wants a cure, however, whereas Jesus desires a personal encounter with her. So congregation, we rightly think about the Lord Jesus Christ as a very capable Lord who is able to sustain his people in all the world at the same time. And he has no confusion of names. But when we think sometimes about a church, about a community of believers, sometimes we don't focus individually. And the Lord and me in this morning... So when we think and when we see this happening in this passage, it is greatly comforting. Whenever we come to worship the Lord, there is a personal interaction here. Or rather, when you were saved, the Lord was not applying salvation to masses. But he was very aware that out of him was coming healing virtue to redeem your soul. When you were saved, the Lord was being aware that His blood was cleansing one sinner's soul. 
When you were saved, the Lord Jesus knew that his work was writing the name of a sinner in the heavens. When you were saved, the Lord was fully aware that you were being redeemed by him. He was fully aware of you, of who you are, of what were your circumstances, of what you were or had been going through. And the Lord was completely, completely conscious that his blood was covering your faults or your sins. So when we come as a church and we come before the Lord, whenever from Him comes comfort to you, or whenever from Him come from Him comes encouragement to you, think that that comes at a personal level as well. When you, we come as a congregation, He speaks to all of us. But yes, He speaks to me. He, he speaks to you, and He knows particularly the circumstances of your life. The Lord was fully aware that the woman was being saved or was saved. When the Lord saved you, He did it in full awareness of what He was doing. He knew that His blood again was covering your sins. He, know, he knew that you were being clothed with his righteousness. All this before the world ever existed. Because he had already covenanted with the Father. He had already loved you before he made you. But when salvation took place in space and time in your life, the Lord was fully aware of what he was doing. So in the same manner, Every time we come, to come together again as a congregation, the Lord knows in what particular ways He is increasing His image in you. He is bestowing graces for you to mortify your sin. Or He is providing comfort to you in the midst of your pain. All this, He knows it personally. He knows it intimately. Objectively speaking now about the, fruit of, about the fruit of salvation, something else needs to be said. <clears throat> Jesus restored this woman, as he calls as a daughter of Israel, and tells her to go in peace. That expression was not a simple word of dismissal. The Hebrew term for peace creates a background for the New Testament concept which picks up on references from the Old Testament. And it usually speaks of wholeness, well-being, prosperity, security, friendship, and salvation. Jesus bestowed that peace on the woman, and the woman was restored to full integration in the community of Israel after those 12 difficult years. And now she was able to enjoy peace, well-being, peace with God. The imperative to be free from suffering was present also here in the Greek. The Lord made clear to the woman that it was her faith what had healed her. 
So we see then in our passage this morning that there was a need for saving faith, that there was a manifestation of saving faith, and that there was a fruit of saving faith. So the question then to us this morning is, do you need saving faith or believer? Do you need to increase in your faith upon the, God, the word of God and the gospel of Christ? Do you need to grow in faith? The answer is simple. Go back to the gospel. Go back to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he will make you increase in faith. Because as believers, we not only need this healing touch once in our life. We need it every single day. Not for justification, but for continual growth and continual exercise of faith in the pilgrimage of our Christian life. So I would like to end by coming back to the illustration of Reverend Samuel Davis. When he speaks about the ambassador. So if you come to church morning after morning on Sundays. And you don't see in yourself in heaven. Do not continue to live or to walk like that. Address it. And address it urgently. If you say, but it's not up to me. It's up to the Lord for him to save me. Then again. Take this to you or with you to home. The Lord uses means to save. And he establishes his means in his word. Use those means. Use those means. Receive the exhortations that the Lord gives to you through his gospel. And go before him and plead salvation to your soul. If I may reverently and friendly encourage you if you are not saved go before the presence of the Lord and do not leave until he has speaking, spoken to you through his word and if he hasn't spoken to you tomorrow then go again before him cry out to him and use the means there is nothing more important in this life than to be healed from our sin disease and the Lord Jesus Christ is a very able and a very willing Savior Amen Dear Heavenly Father when we see the life of this woman we had compassion we feel empathy but we also saw ourselves. Lord, those of us who are believers here, we can see that we were in the same place than her, suffering from sin, not only death, but also the horrible consequences that sin brings us into. But we praise Thee and we thank Thee for Thy gracious hand reached out to us and saved us. But Heavenly Father, our heart is now with those who are still in their sin. 
Our heart is with those who are suffering from their sin. Not only eternal death, but who are brought into a pit of hopelessness, of continual decrease or decay. So please, Heavenly Father, consider working salvation in this congregation to those who need it. Consider, Lord, granting saving faith to those who need it. Also grant that the sinners may use the means that thou hast given to us in thy word. Lord, please encourage them and may your Holy Spirit enable them to believe, to repent, and to hold on to Christ. And Lord, if in this place there is a a sinner that takes this seriously, so please, Lord, help him or help her. Work through thy Spirit, Lord. Guide them through thy Spirit. Be with each of them, Lord. Bring them close to thee, we pray. Write their names in the heavens. Lord, as Reformed believers, we know that Thou art a sovereign God, and sometimes we don't understand how, how human instruments or human, how the human agency works in salvation. But please, Lord, help us. Help us not to blame on Thee the fact that we are not saved. But help us rather to see that Thou hast given us means, and Thou continually do do it so please Lord enable us and enable sinners in this place to use those means so that if they are saved they came to the conclusion that it is thy mighty hand and thy loving hand that touched them savingly please Lord be with this congregation and be with all of us as we go home and continue to worship thee in our family time and our private time. Lord, we thank thee for the opportunity of coming here and listening to thy word. And again, Lord, our heart is with those who do not know savingly our Lord Christ. Please, Lord, work salvation in our midst because we know that thy hand has not shortened. Amen. <clears throat>